Sports Business Journal's SBJ Presents podcast, featuring industry experts, insight, and perspective on the issues impacting the business of sports. Our focus in this episode, sponsorships. You're doing it all wrong. It's time to change the way we value and report on sponsorship assets. Teams and leagues are plagued with the pains of spending hundreds of hours pulling data from various vendors reporting on multiple sponsorship assets, limiting recaps to just a few top sponsors. Joining us, Alex Kerr, founder and CEO of Trajectory, and Caitlin Donahoe, Director of Partnership Marketing at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hey, well, thanks to both of you for joining us. Before we talk specifically about the advantages here, I want to get to know you a little bit first. Alex, kind of share your journey and how you got where you are today. I am a data nerd at heart. I think that is probably the biggest thing that anybody needs to know about my background. But uh, post-grad school, I ended up at uh, the incredible Monumental Sports and Entertainment. The irony that uh, the NHL caps, and we have a Penguins person on today, but Cut my teeth at uh, the Washington Caps, Wizards, Mystics, AFL teams, eSports. They they really run the gamut there. And I was very fortunate where I got to be the data guy on the marketing side for a number of years. And then eventually to a larger business intelligence group that we had formed there. A lot of things under my purview, one of which was sponsorship data and reporting and storytelling and all that good stuff. And um, I think is what we'll talk about a little bit later today. Um, I think that there was just a lot of sort of inefficiencies that, that we saw there. And I eventually then uh, left Monumental, came back to Chicago, where I'm originally from, got to work on a really cool loyalty e-commerce brand for a number of years where we were investing tens of millions of dollars in sponsorship and sort of came to the same conclusion of, wow, there's not a lot of data out there even when you're spending millions and millions of dollars. So eventually uh, a couple of me and, and other individuals I knew said to hell with this, we're gonna go build a solution that we think is really unique and different and special. And that's really what we've been working on the last two and a half years at Trajectory is really trying to help the world's biggest brands. And by biggest brands, we're talking about teams and leagues and agencies and, of course, the big brands like Geico's themselves really help them evaluate sponsorship impact. So it's it's been a heck of a journey to, to get to where we are today. And Caitlin, how about you? Yeah. Thank you. I'm happy to be here today. So I actually post-grad started out on the coaching side of sports and coached basketball at the division three level, uh, finished my MBA there and realized I didn't like putting my livelihood and happiness in the hands of 18 to 21 year old girls. (laughs) Um, So decided it was time to transition uh, over to the business side of sports and uh, landed a entry-level partnership marketing role down in New Orleans with the Saints and the Pelicans. So kind of got some experience in a dual league structure um, under the same ownership group, which was second to none um, and grew within my role there and then had the opportunity to take on an elevated role in Pittsburgh with the Pittsburgh Penguins here. So I am the director of partnership marketing here with the Penguins. And so with that, manage a book of business of some of the, the big wig clients that Alex talked about from a brand perspective. And then through that, you know, take on a few uh, departmental strategy projects as well. One of which led me to Alex Introductory, which is why we are here today. So definitely excited to chat more about everything Trajectory has to offer. I did not know the true source of your origin story. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, two sides to the campfire here. I want to start with you, Caitlin, and talk about the biggest challenge that you face when it comes to sports sponsorships. I know they are many, but uh, when it comes to measuring that, maybe fill us in. 
Yeah, I would say it's probably been an elevated challenge coming out of COVID. I think, you know, anytime, you know, brands have so many outlets and opportunities to, to spend their marketing dollars. I don't think it's any shock or surprise that, you know, the price point when doing, you know, sports partnerships comes at an elevated price than if they just went and did our local, you know, media buy. The proof of performance, the return on investment is really important to working with our partners to elevating partnerships moving forward. So I think, you know, the biggest challenge with that is partnerships are no longer, you know, they get signs and tickets and that's it. 10 years ago, it might've looked a lot more like that. Now they're dynamic, they're unique, they're customized. So with that, you hit a lot of different verticals and channels that we have to help find ways to measure and explain what the partnership value tied to those is outside of just simply talking about you got X impressions and Y engagements. And so what's been wonderful with Trajectory is that they've been able to basically fill in the gaps around these metrics to give us a consistent model to work off of, regardless of what asset type we're talking about for those given executions. So normally, we would be pulling data sources from maybe 10, 12, up to 15 different um, outlets. Now being able to kind of lead into a platform that's basically able to aggregate all of our data into one and be able to tell a much more clean partnership value story to our partners, especially for those on the other side that aren't data nerds like Alex, really helps us kind of create that cleaner and uh, more concise story for them about how their partnership is performing amongst our fan base. Alex, I don't know if you're a data nerd or a data genius, but either way, (laughs) this would be your category here to talk about the reporting process, how it currently works today. Maybe give us some examples. Yeah, and um, if anyone has talked to me before, will probably roll their eyes since this is the example that I always use. But once upon a time, you know, being more in Caitlin's role when I was at Monumental, effectively we'd have like a brand, like a Geico or somebody else would effectively call someone on our sponsorship team who is typically in charge of the account. They'd say, hey, we spent a million dollars with you this past year. How do we do? And usually the response would be, oh, we're so excited to get this information for you. We'll get right back to you. Give us a couple of days. And that is usually when panic set in. And I'd get a panic phone call on the business intelligence team. And he'd be like, oh, my God, Geico just called. We need to prove a million dollars worth of value. How the heck are we going to do that? You need to get to it. And so then my team uh, internally would say, "Okay, let's go figure this out. And we had a great team there and they still have a fantastic business intelligence team over at Monumental. And we'd start trying to figure this out. We'd go to the web team. We'd go to the email team. We'd pull our social data. We'd pull our television data together. We'd try to do some back of the envelope math. You know, there's a lot of back and forth. Oh, my God, we only sent three emails out. We were supposed to send 10 emails out. So that was always going back and forth. But effectively, after a couple of weeks of trying to triangulate and bring all this data and clean all this data together and lots of back and forth, we'd go back to Geico and we'd say, hey, great news. We got we did an awesome job for you. We got your 5000 clicks on email. We had a million people come to our stadium this year. We posted to social media 35 times and we have this television report that says uh, the sponsorship was worth, uh, you know, 100 grand on television. We think this was worth, you know, X amount of dollars. Please, please, please spend more money um, with us next year. And it is a tongue in cheek example, certainly. Um, But the reality is, is it's really not that far off from the truth in terms of like how this data and how this reporting is being done in the industry today to no one's fault. Right. There's there's a limitation, I think, on the types of tools that are out there. You know, it's very social and very television centric. But the reality is, is 
if you really want to be holistic in your reporting, it's about so much more. It's LEDs, static signage, it's premium areas, it's emails, it's web data, uh, it's podcasts, you know, it's uh, it's mobile data. The list goes on and on and on. Um, if you really want to be holistic, um, especially holistic with a consistent series of metrics of a value and engagements and impressions across the board. And so for us, we just realize that this is just a systemically broken part of the industry, especially when we're sitting on the team side. And then really had that aha moment later in my career when it was we're spending tens of millions of dollars on sponsorship and getting very, very little in return for those insights. And it's um, it's certainly not just in one part of the industry, but I think a much, much broader problem in sponsorship in general, of which we are certainly excited about what we've built and trying to really, I think, fundamentally change how an industry thinks about sponsorship data and what's actually possible. You know, Alex, one of the big things, too, is comparing apples to apples, right? I mean, because if, you know, you and your team in the past were running around trying to figure that out on your own, then there's other teams doing the same thing, right? And then you're sharing that with the sponsor. They're getting input from many different uh, teams, right? And it's all different, right? So there's no way to really compare apples to apples until you came along, right? Yeah, I'm kind of curious to get Caitlin's perspective on this in a post-COVID world, but certainly beforehand, right? Like, Eventually, you get some smarter brands that would come back and they'd say, hey, like, thanks for all this data. Tell us about your methodology. And it's a very convoluted conversation like because you have different vendors that all do things completely differently. So, you know, a lot of vendors take a very straight line approach where they say a million impressions in New York is equal to a million impressions in Chicago is equal to a million impressions in Idaho. And that's insane. And I think the industry is starting to realize that that's how a lot of this has been done. But it's, hey, social's done very differently than television and the methodology that these business intelligence teams are doing, you know, so often is advanced back of the envelope math, which is great. But the reality is, is all these methodologies being completely different from one another makes no sense. And it really doesn't hold a lot of water when you're trying to talk in an educated way back to a brand. And so, yeah, I think one of the things that we're trying to solve is giving organizations a consistent methodology to create a consistent baseline in which not only their organization, but the brands and the agencies that they work with have the ability to to effectively uh, talk about the same baseline in a really educated and, and knowledgeable way. But, you know, again, Caitlin, I'd actually be sort of curious to get your sense, like now that you're, you know, continue to work with your own brands, are they asking different questions than they used to? I mean, is that, is this more prevalent than it was or is it sort of, you know, same old, same old? I would definitely say that they're asking different questions. I think they're also now we're competing for dollars against similar, you know, quote unquote, like markets a lot more regularly than we may have before. So to your point, not only is your methodology consistent for us, but I think that the the factors that never went in before is everything with your market score. So before it didn't matter if you were exclusive and paying that premium, it didn't really factor into your valuation. Our fan affinity, the, you know, fan demographics, team performance even, um, you know, we, I think sometimes like to say we're the best at everything, even though we're not, but we have had a lot of on ice success, which, you know, leads into like our fans engaging and, and trusting our partners, you know, to a different level than, you know, a, a organization that may not have had the same on ice success or, you know, superstars kind of paving the way for them. So the fact that, you know, we're able to really kind of get that customized approach for our market specifically and our fan base, I think really also kind of, you know, is able to set us apart. So when we're saying, you know, competing like market dollars with big brands, we're able to tell a much more unique customized story. And speaking of competition, I mean, 
You've got the Steelers, the Pirates, not to mention, you know, college athletics as well. You're all competing for those sponsorship dollars. So what do you feel you're doing well right now or maybe better than others in your market? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, we always say here in Pittsburgh, everyone's like, always is like, oh, wow, there must be a lot of competition. And, you know, there is. But at the end of the day, if all the teams are doing well, whether it's just how Pittsburghers are wide or not, it's a better environment overall for business. So we always hope that, you know, there's success across every field and in every rink and and ballpark uh, here in Pittsburgh. But I would say for us, it's a lot more of like the customized unique programs. We've done a really great job thinking outside of the box of traditional partnership elements. So when I say that, you know, it's developing, you know, platforms around gender equality months. We work with Cavestro here, who they work to make the game of hockey safer by coming up with, by using their materials to come up with new innovative ways to build dasher boards so that when players hit into them, they can take the impact uh, much more cleanly than um, some of the, the old boards could. So it's going that next step outside of just thinking, you know, B to C, tapping into more how we can do stuff with B2B companies who never looked at the sports partnership landscape as something that they could use to help benefit their business at the end of the day. So I would say that's really, you know, where we try to make our mark um, quite regularly. But with that, it becomes more difficult because how do you evaluate that because they are so unique. They are so custom. There's not always an impression and an engagement directly tied to it, which is why what we've been able to get through Traject have really helped us succeed in being able to tell those stories to prove that return on investment for those companies. Yeah. And to play off that with you, Alex, that was my next question is, you know, the valuation for X in Pittsburgh is going to be different than the valuation for X in Philly, right? Depending on the market, the team, et cetera. How do you price, uh, you know, LED versus a social post versus static signage versus everything else out there? Because it also varies by market, right? It does. And I think that this has historically been the real big miss, I think, in the industry at large, just from like, I think a lot of the vendors that work within the space is that it's what I was referencing earlier, like a lot of people take a straight line approach and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But if you really are trying to get under the hood and get a level deeper into accuracy and the fundamentals of data, saying that a million impressions in New York are equal to a million impressions in you know, Pittsburgh are equal to a million impressions somewhere else, like that may have worked for a while, but as organizations and brands are starting to get smarter, they're starting to realize that you can't just, you know, equate one market to to another. These are different markets. There's different household demographics. There are different prevailing media market rates in each of these areas. And so what we've really built around and, and a lot of the heavy duty work that we've done behind the scenes for the last several years to really get the, the platform of, of trajectory ready is plugging into the prevailing media market rates that the that the brands and that the agencies are used to seeing in those markets. So, and it's not just about markets, but it's also about the particular asset, as you mentioned a moment ago. So, an out-of-home board in Houston should be valued very differently than an out-of-home board in Miami. Now, fundamentally, there might be some some overlap, but if you really start to go down the rabbit hole, there are a lot of subclasses of these types of assets. So, is it a transit board? Is it a wallscape? Same goes for LEDs and static signage and you know digital components such as social ads as well as social spend should differ by market because you're you have a different demographic that's engaging with it. And so what we've done at our core is we're really trying to base a methodology on what the brands and the agencies want to see within market. 
what they would have to spend elsewhere in Pittsburgh or in Miami or in Chicago to get the same type of value in terms of impressions and engagements on particular assets in particular markets. So that's been a real big piece to us. But then I think what also makes us a little bit different, because we are an organization that was built by former industry uh, leaders on the team side, the agency side, and on the brand side, is we know that there are components that organizations like the Penguins are providing to their partners in forms of things like exclusivity, right? They're providing a premium value to some of their partners who have decided to purchase an exclusivity through them in a certain category. Why isn't that being factored into a lot of these valuations? So things like exclusivity and team performance and like what the market demographics look like are all taken into account when we're creating um, our methodologies and our valuations. And we do so in a, in a way where we're looking for areas in which we can provide additional value. So we try not to, to have these, these components influence in a negative way on the valuation, but at least call out the premium areas where they're providing a lot of this value back to their partners. So there's a lot to unpack there, but from a high level, we're really trying to be a lot more dynamic than I think what the industry has seen previously. Caitlin, why should a team use trajectory? I know you already are, but you know, if you were to offer advice to others in National Hockey League or other you know, professional sports leagues, why would you recommend trajectory? Great question. Uh, We'll see if Alex supports my answer here or not here (laughs) shortly, but I think it's a lot of what we just talked about. It's the methodology. It's the customization. It's the fact that it's not a cookie cutter one one size fits all model that they're using for every team, every league, every brand. But then on top of that, I think, you know, where we feel like true partners with trajectory, which, you know, maybe it's coming from the partnerships world. So we hold that near and dear to our hearts, who knows, but they really are great partners that are very solution oriented. I think, you know, in the past, whether in this field or with a vendor, you know, maybe in an entirely different field, a lot of times it can seem more transactional or, well, this is how we do things. Like you guys need to fit into this box. Like, and however, when I take something to Alex or something to Sharon, they are so willing to hear us from where we're coming from, what our partner needs, what they're looking for, make adjustments, work with us. um, And to really have that sense of partnership, I think, truly makes a difference. Um, And to be entirely transparent, it makes us even more confident in the data that they're showing us. I think anytime, like not coming from the data space, speaking for myself, a lot of times these numbers can be entirely overwhelming. And like, sure, I can try and convince myself that this is, you know, the fact of the matter and this gives, paints the perfect picture. But the fact that they're willing to do deep dives with us um, and, you know, work within our needs and the demands and asks that we're getting from partners, I think makes us that much more confident in their abilities, in their product and in their methodology overall. Wow. That was very kind words. And that was very kind of you to say that. So thank you, uh, Caitlin. Good um, thing it's recorded because who knows if I'll <laughs> yeah, ever say it again. I know. I'm going to have to use it <laughs> forever. No, but I think what you just said, I think, really hammers home, I think, a lot of um, of what we're trying to do and trying to be different. I think ultimately where we're really trying to separate ourselves in the space is there's kind of two areas, right? I think there's 
very straightforward. There is just a better way to do this than any of the, the vendors in the space have been doing this historically. Um, there's a smarter way. There's a more accurate way to do this. And I think that's something that we're really trying to offer because we have a very unique perspective. We sat in these chairs before. So I think, you know, we, we certainly empathize and truly understand where the challenges are. And I think that's been a massive differentiator for us of really understanding the importance of all these other assets and how you walk the walk and talk the talk and bring all these these insights together, I think has been a really important piece to us. And we do try to to be as respectful of each organization and their own, you know, individual needs. We certainly can't be a custom solution and do crazy things for everybody, but we do really try to create platforms that are driving value in the unique way that organizations deliver their own unique value. So the way they talk about data is different. The way that they want to present data is different. And we really try to be good stewards because for us, if we're a partnership data company, like we need to practice what we preach. We need to be good partners. And I think that's something that has always been really core to us. And, you know, I kind of often make the joke of like, oh God, we're a vendor now. And like, it's kind of like a swear word of when I was like sitting on the, on the property side. But I I do think (laughs) we are trying to take a very different approach to how we work with individuals. And sometimes we, we got to fix things and we got to do things a little bit differently, but more often than not, we try to, we really try to get things right out of the gate for, for, a lot of groups. And then beyond that, I think the other half of it is like where we're putting our flag sort of in the ground is we are the most accurate, most consistent, most holistic uh, partnership data reporting platform that's out there. And that's something that we're never going to compromise on. We're not going to only do an analysis one every four games and extrapolate, uh, which I know a lot of groups do. So we really are trying to invest in the best data possible out there. Um, and I know that that's going to come at a premium and we're certainly a premium platform and we're priced that way. But for us, I think that's where we're really, we're, we're trying to be a differentiator. It's like, if you want the best and the most accurate data, like we're, we're really trying to be that group. And we know that's not going to be a fit for everybody, but, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's effectively what, what we're trying to solve and, and why we'd love to, to work with a number of different groups throughout the industry. Hey, while we have you, Alex, I noticed the uh, logo is a rocket ship. Is there some hidden meaning behind that or what's what's the deal? Uh, often when you're a data nerd, you're also kind of a sci-fi nerd <laughs> uh, who doesn't like rocket ships in space. So I think, uh, you know, effectively, there is no greater story other than, you know, the name of trajectory, certainly, you know, meaning the the direction that someone is trying to go. I think, you know, uh, certainly a rocket fit well with that. But the other half of the story is, uh, I don't know, rockets in space are cool. So why not? So if you had the opportunity to go to outer space, would you? I've uh, I've been asked this question before. Um, I think it'd be it'd be scary <laughs> and intense, but I think I'm the type of person who I think life is all about experiences and um, trying to do different things. And you get it right and you get it wrong. So ultimately, I think I'd probably come down on the side of yeah, I'd, uh, I'd jump at the chance to to go to space. Why not? Alex, Caitlin, thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the time, everybody. Much appreciated. Thanks again to Trajectory founder and CEO, Alex Kerr, and Pittsburgh Penguins Director of Partnership Marketing, Caitlin Donahoe, for joining us. And thank you for downloading Sports Business Journal's SBJ Presents podcast, sponsored by Trajectory. Trajectory.